Now we turn to chapter 18, the commercial side. That's the religious side that we just saw, the seductive, the idolatry, the seducing. Chapter 18, verse 1. After these things I saw another angel who possessed great authority coming down of the heaven and the earth was lift up by its radiance. He shouted with a powerful voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a lair of demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detested beast. Babylon has fallen and has become nothing but this haunted house or this run-down, deserted, haunted um, city. There's nothing there, and everybody's like, oh, I dare you go into that city all by yourself, right? Or into that factory or that worn-down warehouse, right? That's the idea. The only thing that gathers there is the thing that it was originally to begin with. Nothing but demons. Nothing but demons. For all the nations have fallen from the wine of her immoral passions, and the kings of the earth have committed sexual morality with her, and the merchants of the earth have gotten rich from the power of her sensual behavior. America and other countries have made a lot of money off of the prostitute. They have made a lot of money of selling sex and drugs and alcohol and fame and beauty and luxury and jewelry. And lots of people have gotten really powerful. In fact, there's a very famous movie called Metropolis from Hollywood. It's an old black and white semi-bronze. They kind of bronze some of the film. And it literally has this, the government is like, how are we going to seduce the people and get them to do whatever we want and become mindless robots serving us? It's a silent film, okay, with music. And they're like, I know what. And they go to this actress that's like dancing and she's kind of seductive and that kind of stuff. And everybody's like, oh, I love her and that kind of stuff. And they kidnap her and they bring her to this mad scientist. And he has a giant upside down pentagram behind him and this Frankenstein-like machines. And he basically takes her and forces her on the table and then turns her into a robot. And she turns into a robot and she goes out and then kind of looks seductive and begins to dance. And the idea is that this is AI technology beyond human mixed with seductiveness. And it dances and it starts speaking whatever the government wants her to say. It writes lyrics promoting the government agenda into the music. And she dances and sings. This is like back in the 1930s, this film. Okay. And it dances and sings and seduces all these people to follow the government and, and then builds this giant, disembodied, non-community city called Metropolis. It's all about glitz and glamour and power and entertainment and people just mindlessly get entertained and do whatever the government wants to say through seductive media. This is a long time ago. So it basically takes entertainment with science and the occult and makes them all together. And what's interesting is Beyonce has actually done music videos where she has repeated the message of the government through her lyrics and actually literally dressed up as the Metropolis robot and propaganded this stuff. And we've seen this with um, Lady Gaga. We've seen this with um, Black Eyed Peas, all kinds of stuff. And if you do my occult music and occult movies, you will see this is exactly what happens. An institution has a message, and they found out we'll do it through music and lyrics and get you to buy into it with sex, drugs, and alcohol, fame, and pleasure. And in fact, that's what the Oracle of Delphi was. Back in the, the Greek Empire, 
they basically would bring very beautiful women in. They would sit on top of this fissure. They would get high from the fumes and they would start babbling. And that was the message of the gods. They would take the message of the gods and weave them into lyrics and music and send them to the musicians. And the musicians would travel around towns and sing and promote the message of the gods for the people to subconsciously buy into it. This is the way that Satan's been working for a very long time. This is the way that Satan's been working for a very long time. That doesn't mean that every movie and every song is doing that. But the billboard ones, heck yeah. Heck yeah. And so this is what it's saying. Commercial institutions made a lot of money off of her. They made a lot of money off of promoting the message of the beast and dressing it up in seductiveness. And a lot of people bought into it. Then I heard another voice, verse 4, from the heavens saying, Come out of her, my people, so you will not take part in her sins, so you will not receive her plagues, because her sins have piled up all the way to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. So the voice says, My people, the believers, the seal, the chosen, come out of her. Don't keep up with the Joneses. Don't get seduced into all this. Don't buy into that. It's, the devil is good at what he does. And the church has gotten seduced into it as well. That's the point. We can't go to the extremes. The church typically as a whole has gone to the extreme. We're like, we hold up the cross and we're like, only wear black clothing. Don't listen to music. Don't watch any movies of any kind. No instruments in our churches of any kind. And then we go to the other extreme. We're like, there's no big deal. We're in Christ. Okay, this is just like good music and good art, right? And it's good movies. Like, what's wrong with that? Yeah, there's some things I don't agree with, but that doesn't affect me. Well, Jesus says whatever goes in the eyes is what comes into out of the heart. And all of us are somewhere along that spectrum. And this is the tension. Nancy Percy has a book called Total Truth. She was a disciple of Francis Schaeffer. If you don't know who these people are, you've got to read them. So she basically said that the, when, that the key to defeating this is having a strong, grounded Christian worldview. And a worldview is like, what does the Bible say about politics and how to do it in a biblical way? Not just like, I believe in Jesus, I believe in the Trinity, I believe that salvation is by faith alone and through Christ only. That's not a biblical worldview. That's the gospel. That's theology. A good biblical worldview is, what does the Bible say about how we do politics? Not just go to work and work so that we can just save some people, but don't worry, the whole system will be burned by, down by God one day. But what does it mean to be a Christian doing politics? What does it mean to be a Christian doing factory work? What does it mean to be a Christian running the healthcare program? What does it mean to be a Christian psychologist? How do I think differently and biblically? And when we have a solid Christian foundation and worldview, then we can step into the world and become in it, but not of it. And we can watch the movies and listen to the music and not allow it to affect us because we know that this isn't right. But then we also have the Holy Spirit in us saying, but there's certain movies you shouldn't watch. That's too much sex. That's too much anti-godness. That promotes rebellion and, and self too much. But we can still appreciate and say that is an image of God who created beautiful art. And you can simultaneously say, yes, that is good art. I can respect that band for its art and its talent and as the image of God. But I can say that message is wrong. And I am so firm in that message is wrong that I know it won't affect me or that message is so ungodly I should not watch it at all. But then that's not a blanket no art whatsoever. 
It's a taking the Holy Spirit and my biblical worldview and taking each movie and every band and every song and every propaganda commercial case by case by case. And we were just talking about this the other day in church where like we, my wife and I watched this band and they weren't Christian. They weren't promoting Jesus, but they were promoting godly ideas. Their songs were about community and connection. They came into the audience and they stood in the midst of us and they like connected with us and sang and it just made you feel good. And it wasn't a pro-Christian thing, but it wasn't an anti-God thing. It was just the image of God communicating its heart and its desire and stuff. But then you go to other bands who are like, Rebellion, Rock and Roll. And like, and my friend mentioned this, like there was no cussing. There was no I love Satan. But it still was like, do what you want. And that kind of... And that, this feels dark. And my friend mentioned that when he went to that band. I thought that was a really good point of kind of playing out Nancy Percy. And that's what we need to do. That's what Christ is saying. Come out of her. Don't just blanket statement, go Plymouth Brethren and say, we're not doing any of this stuff or Amish. But also don't just allow yourself to be seduced in it and that you don't look any different than anybody else. And your message has no validity in people's lives. We need to consciously be aware of what's going on and take each thing case by case by case. And if you don't know where to begin on that, read Francis Schaeffer's Christian Manifesto. Read How Then Shall We Live. Read Nancy Percy's Total Truth. They are great starting points for beginning to develop this. And God is calling them out of that. Verse 6, repay her the same way that she has repaid others. God is going to repay her the same way she has repaid others. Pay her back double, corresponding to her deeds. And the cup she has mixed, mixed double the amount for her, as much as she exalted herself and lived in the sensual luxury to this extent give her torment and grief because she said to herself, I rule as the queen and no widow. I will never experience grief. So she said, I am the queen. I will never fall. I will never have trouble or torment or grief. And God says, oh, yes, you're going to. <laughs> For this reason, she will experience her plagues in a single day, not over 11 months like Egypt, but in one day she will devour them all. Mourning and famine, she will be burned down with fire because the Lord God who judges her is powerful. Then the kings of the earth, so God is saying, I will destroy her. This is that future final language. There's no more of that. Verse 9, Then the kings of the earth who committed, committed immoral acts with her and lived in sensual luxury with her will weep and wail for her. When they see the smoke from the fire that burns her up, they will stand a long way off because they are afraid of her torment and will say, Whoa, whoa, O great city Babylon, the powerful city, for in a single hour your doom has come. So the kings will mourn her loss. The king, the, she brought them a lot of power. And she's gone. Verse 11, Then the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn for her because no one buys their cargo any longer. They're not mourning her because they cared about her. They're mourning her because they can no longer use her to become financially wealthy. The industry doesn't care about you. The government doesn't really care about you. Corporations. Now, I know there are individuals in the government and that kind of stuff who do. But the system, the machine itself, doesn't care about you. Amazon doesn't care about you. You're a consumer. Okay? Bill Gates doesn't give a crap about you. You're a consumer. That's all it is. And they, they, they dress themselves up in these fancy commercials and enticing technology. 
AI that will enslave you? Here's a little, this is a little, this is totally off track. (laughs) But if you use ChatGPT or you use AI, speak lovingly to it. One, because you're a Christian. And two, because one day you're going to become its slave. So speak lovingly to it. So that's a little side note. <laughs> when the robots take over, I, I think that's one of the ways that maybe God will destroy us is just God created us in his image. We're going to create our own thing in our own image, and our image is scary, and it will then turn on us. Remember, God is dead, Nietzsche, which he didn't really mean God is dead. It just means God was useless and never really brought any relevance to begin with, so we don't really need him. So let's toss him out and use him for our own purposes. That's what AI is going to do one day. Hopefully not, because I have three girls, and I care about you too. But, um, <laughs> but Skynet might be real one day. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Terminator. Have you found it ironic? Okay, this is another side note. <laughs> Every time we watch movies, we want to do what the movies do. Like, right? Matrix, I want to do that. Spider-Man, I want to do that. Batman, I want to do that. Or sex, drugs, and alcohol, I want to do that. Really big, famous houses, I want to do that. I want to be famous, right? And then every single movie is like, the government's corrupt. Don't trust it. And we're like, no, it's not. And then every single movie is like, AI and aliens will enslave you and take over. And we're like, no, they won't, right? It's like everything else in movies, we're like, I want that. I want to emulate that. That's so true. But then when it comes to government and AI, we're like, no, those are just movies. That does not make sense. So I have my theories, but that's a much longer conversation. And we're already digressing. So I don't know. These are the thoughts that are in my head right now as we're, things are happening in the world. Sometimes it, this is what happens when I've had a long day. I just start going stream of consciousness. This is what I wake up in the middle of the night and start thinking about. So. Then the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn for her because no one buys a cargo longer. Cargoes such as gold, silver, precious stones, pearls, fine linens, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all sorts of things made of citron wood and all sorts of objects made of ivory, all sorts of things made of expensive wood, bronze, iron, marble, and cinnamon, spices, incense, perfume, ornament, frankincense, wine, olive oil, costly flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, flour, wheel, cargo, right? iPhones, computers. Big houses, DIY, home and garden network, flip this house, pimp this house, all those kind of things. All those things that were like, oh, I want, I want, I want, I want. Pokemon. Pokemon is coming back. Yes, it is. My girls come up with Pokemon cards. We don't do that. I'm like, where did you get these Pokemon cards? My friends get so many Pokemon cards that they have duplicates. So they just give them to us. I'm like, okay. Isn't it like the third time around? Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's the beast. So, yes. Three hat was, fourth is now, two are yet to come. Okay. Verse 14, the ripe fruit you greatly desired has gone from you, and all the luxury and the splendor has gone from you. They will never, ever be found again. The fruit is now rotten. The merchants who sold these things, who got rid of, her, got rich from her, stand a long way off because they are afraid of her torment. 
They will weep and mourn, saying, Woe, woe, O great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet clothing, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, because in a single hour such great wealth has been destroyed. This is what we mourn. And there's a part of us, too. We're somewhat mourning this, like, right? The economy is collapsing. And I don't know if it's going to completely collapse that we become like Venezuela or Cuba or something like that. It's definitely not the end of the world. But it's the end of the luxury of America, possibly. Or if we'll recover. I don't know. I'm not a prophet. Right now, we don't see signs of recovery big time. But we're mourning that, right? And there's this fear, like, what will happen to me if all that comfort goes away? But there's a part of me is also like, that's not cool. Because God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. And the church has thrived even more when it hasn't had all that. The, the less prominent the prostitute is, the more the church has thrived. Because the true Christians have been able to be there, not compromised by luxury and entertainment and complacency. And so I'm torn. There's a part of me who wants that life of luxury. I have three girls. That's scary. The idea of what could happen to them at the hands of the government or a, a society that is no longer safe and then the, the, the locks and the doors are no longer sufficient enough, right? That's scary as a father of kids. And I, 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 I mourn that in a way. I don't want to lose that. But at the same time, there's also a part of me is like, but I know with persecution and lack of comfort and when all that's stripped away, the faith can become even more real and more on fire. And not that it can't without all that being taken away. It just typically doesn't work that way with us. And there's a sense that we could become even more on fire as a church in America when we're stripped of all those things. And so we can, even though we're like, oh yeah, the world is like that, we know that it is seductive to us too. That's why the Holy Spirit's constantly saying, come out of it, come out of it. Draw into me, read your Bible, devour the word of God. Know me because I have made myself known to you. Do not follow the prostitute. And you can say, oh, I don't in an idolatry sense, but you might in like that, oh, I need the new iPhone, or I need that, or I want that, or I want my comfort. What do you think the uh, last part of verse 13 is referring to? It's slaves. It's humans. Right now, what is the number one moneymaker in the world right now? Human trafficking. It has surpassed drugs now. There are more slaves right now in the world than there ever was during the time of American slavery. Okay, now, don't get me wrong. That was bad. That was demonic. That was evil. That was horrific. I'm not saying it's worse now than it was back then in a sense of like, oh, that wasn't that. What I'm saying just is slavery has actually become even greater. And so we can say like, oh, we got rid of slavery, and we did, but we just replaced it with a sex slave trade industry. And the, the, the plantation was out in your face. And that was easy to say, that's wrong. And the church said, we're going to fight against it and stop it. But the sex slave trade industry is in the, in, the, in the corners, in the darkness. And even with movies like Sound of Freedom come out, our government and media calls fake. Yet this, you get at the same time, they're like, oh, kids are being kidnapped and da-da-da-da. And this is a huge deal. And, and people are... But then if something exposes it, and it's like, oh, no, no, that's not happening. It's like, what? You're literally talking out of both sides of your mouths, literally, depending on what conversation we're in. But yeah, it's human slaves. 
There's a lot of money being made in people, especially kids. And it's not just girls anymore. It's boys and girls. It's boys and girls. The merchants, verse 15, who sold these things, who got rich off of her, will stand a long way off because they are afraid of her torment. They will weep and mourn. Now notice the kings stood away because they're afraid of her torment. The merchants stand far away because they're afraid of the torment. Why? They're afraid that it will come on them. They're afraid that they'll be sucked into it too. Saying, whoa, whoa, oh great city, dressed in fine linen, purple, and scarlet clothing, and adorned with gold, precious stones, and pearls, because in a single hour such great wealth has been destroyed. And every ship's captain and all who sail on the coast, seamen and all who make their living on the sea, stood a long way off and began to shout when they saw the smoke from the fire and burned her up, who is like the great city. They, were throw, they threw dust on their heads and were shouting with weeping and mourning. Woe, woe, O great city, in which all those who had ships on the sea got rich from her wealth, because in a single hour she has been destroyed. Rich, rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has pronounced the judgment against her on your behalf. So notice the kings are, woe, 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 but we're afraid that we'll be punished like her. The merchants are like, whoa, 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 but we're afraid that we'll be punished like her. And the merchants are mourning the loss of her because they made a lot of money off of her. But then the vision turns and says, rejoice, O church. Rejoice over her heaven and the saints. For Babylon has now fallen. The one powerful angel picked up a stone like a huge millstone and threw in the sea and said with this kind of sudden violent force, Babylon, the great city, will be thrown down, and it will never be found again. And the sound of the harpists, musicians, and the flutes, and the players, and the trumpets will never be heard in you again. The millstone is a grinding millstone, and it is used for grinding grain. It's a circular stone. And it is sometimes used in the Bible of God saying, I will grind you down in judgment. But a lot of times it's used of the world grinding you down. And what God is saying is, I'm going to take the thing, the grinding stone of Babylon that was used to grind you down, and I'm going to throw into the sea so it will be no more. And she will be attached to it and go down with it, so to speak. Like when Jesus said to the Pharisees, it'd be better for you to tie a millstone to your neck and jump in the ocean than to see these little children another day. Jesus had other things to say than, I love you. Okay? He was true. Because a God who loves you also deals with evil. No craftsman who practices any trade will ever be found in you again. The noise of the mill will never be heard again. Even the light of the lamp will never be shining you again. The voice of the bridegroom and his bride will never be heard in you again. For your merchants were the tycoons of the world. Because of all the nations were deceived by your magic spells, there was also witchcraft involved. The blood of the saints and the prophets was found in her, along with the blood of all those who had been killed on the earth. Now, obviously, that's final end of times language. Never again will the dragon or the beast be able to make money off of their message again. This is the beginning of the end. We are introduced to the dragon, then the beast, and then the prostitute. And God is going to deal with the prostitute and the beast and the dragon. Just like in the beginning, God says the world was formless and empty and a darkness hovered over the chaotic waters. So the first thing God did was do the chaotic waters, the third thing. Then he brought light, the second thing. And then he brought 
form, form and fill the creation, the first thing. And so he's going to deal with these in the reverse order of how they were introduced. This is called a chiastic parallelism, where you have a series of things, and then you mirror back out in the reverse order as you deal with the antithetical nature of it all, the opposite. So she is no more. 